Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's Let's ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is up, everyone? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Incline. The Dodgers off to a 30-12 start. That's best, of course, in the NL West, and they're ahead of the San Diego Padres by four and a half games. We're going to start the show off with some pitching, and we're going to dive into the starting pitchers real quick. It looks like the five-man rotation is set at this point. Last week, we kind of were shocked to see Ross Stripling traded at the deadline. It's really opened the door for Tony Gonsolin, who's just looking great so far this season. Over 23 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has a 0.76 ERA. And then, of course, Clayton Kershaw, who, in my opinion, is being slept on by the riders and the media right there in the Cy Young race. He's 5-1 and one with a 150 ERA. And, of course, Walker Buehler kicking off the Diamondback series, which we will briefly touch on in a minute. He's got a 360 ERA. And then Julio Urias, didn't go the five in his last start, but he still has an ERA in the low threes. And then, of course, Dustin May, David's guy, also pitching great. He has a low three ERA as well. But there's 288, no actually. For 288, my apologies. We still are trying to figure out who that third starter will be, and that's kind of the little race that will just go to the end of the season. I feel like my opinion's switching with every start, but how do you guys feel about the starting pitching? They have the second best starters ERA in all of baseball behind the Cleveland Indians at 320 with 205 innings logged so far. Yeah, um, I don't, I can't give you a firm answer on who I think that number three should be yet. Um, I think it's a clear cut. You know, it's either going to be Mayer or Gonsolin at this point. Um, you know, Urias has been solid. Um, but I think the thing that people are freaking out about is the length of these starters. Because in any given day, none of these guys are performing poorly. Like, even at his worst, Arias is giving up, like, three runs per start. Like, they're they're fine. It's just a matter of of going deep into games. And I think if they're able to, to pitch to contact a bit more, I think we'll be able to see more, you know, six-inning starts out of these guys. 
I think, you know, May and Gonsolin have been the most consistent starters on the team uh, besides Kershaw. Um, so I think they, they definitely have the edge there. But I'm frankly not worried about the starting pitching staff whatsoever. Um, this offense is good enough, and it, when it comes down to it in the playoffs, if they're going to score runs, then they'll win. And if they don't, you know, they'll go home again. I'm not worried about the starting pitching either in terms of how good they are, but what I am worried about is the amount of innings that they're putting on the bullpen. Yeah, and, and when you take a look at all of the innings pitched, uh, Kevin just brought it up, that the starters have thrown 205 innings. The bullpen has thrown 172 innings, and those two numbers should not be as close as they are. And I'm worried about the bullpen when it comes time for the playoffs because, as you know, the starters have quick hooks. And so we're gonna, they're, they're going to be pressed into duty early if a starter falters. And so I'm a little worried about that. Kevin also brought up the Cleveland Indians. Well, the Cleveland Indians lead the major leagues in innings pitched for their starters with 240 innings. And they're also 28th in the majors with 127 innings pitched for their relievers. So a much bigger gap between their starters and relievers. Now, it may be the case that Dave Roberts is trying to stretch out his starting pitching to make sure that they can go longer when we get towards the end of the season. But at the same time, you're also taxing the bullpen. And I also would like to see Julio Urias sweat a little bit. We've not really seen him go you know, uh, any, any sort of length he's, he's failed to go more than five innings in five of his eight starts. And a lot of the time he, you know, has only thrown 60, 70 pitches before they yank him out. So for me, I'd like to see him go a little longer. I'd like to see, I like to see the starters go a little longer as well. And the final point I'll make, and it's, I actually like the fact that Clayton Kershaw isn't getting as much recognition from the national media because then he can, you know, show up in the postseason and surprise everybody. I don't think any Dodger fans out there have a notion about Kershaw not being dominant still. I think we all get it. It's quite amazing how good he still is and how he definitely should be considered for Cy Young. But I also like the fact that the media isn't, sort of touting him as much as the Dodgers fans are because it means that he can surprise people. And if he doesn't do as well in the postseason, then you, then that narrative doesn't really play as much. I think before when he was sort of the best pitcher in the world and then blew up the playoffs, people were like, Oh my God, what's wrong with him. But now that if he performs well in the playoffs, it's like a big surprise to everybody. Yeah. And to, to that point, um, you know, the Dodgers have played 42 games so far. Uh, Kenley Jansen has pitched in 19 of them. Ferguson, Floro, and Trinan have pitched in 18. And then you have McGee at 17 and Gratoro at 16. Um, that's not sustainable long-term. It's just not, uh, especially in a shortened season where there's less off days. Uh, and we've finally seen some of the bullpen regression, if you want to call it. Uh, but I don't even think it's regression. I think it's just overuse. Um, you know, you're not going to have a reliever who's not going to give up a run in a game. Um, and if you pitch enough games, they're going to give up runs. Uh, so I, I think it's pretty clear that these the Dodgers are going to need more length from their starters. Uh, I think Blake Trinan has established himself as Dave Roberts's bell cow or, or, or go-to you know high leverage guy, uh, and that's what it should be. Uh, but if you're going to use him every other game, might be a problem in the long term. Yeah, so I agree far, with that. It's coming out that way because over Blake Trinan's last six and two-thirds innings pitch, he has a 540 ERA, and I don't even know if that factors in maybe the inherited runs that 
he might have allowed in. No, then, it, it does. It does. Caleb Ferguson also beginning to slip up a little. Maybe he's also being overworked over his last six innings thrown. He has a 750 ERA, which includes that grand slam, which only two of those runs actually were charged to him when he gave that up to Pilar. And then, yeah, I mean, overall, the bullpen, they have fallen to second now overall in baseball. They're at 251, which trails the Oakland Athletics. And we didn't even talk about how the Dodgers just lost their first series of the season, two of the three to the Colorado Rockies, who also have a bad bullpen. But in this series, it really looks like the Dodgers were struggling. They gave up late-inning home runs to Matt Kemp, Pilar, as I just mentioned, amongst others. Sorry that I'm blanking, but there were two games where the Dodgers had the lead and then the bullpen blew it. Well, look, I'm not worried about this because I think, I think it's a non-story to start worrying about, Oh, what's going on with the bullpen. The point is, is that they're overworked. They were bound to show some signs of fatigue and we saw it. And guess what? The Colorado Rockies have a great offense. So to me, it, it makes perfect sense. And the Colorado Rockies are in the playoff hunt because literally every team is, but the, the point being is that, You've got a tired bullpen. You've got uh, really good hitters up and down that lineup. And to Caleb Ferguson's credit, I thought that the pitch, the, the home run he gave up to Matt Kemp was a pretty good pitch. And Matt Kemp just hit it out. So, um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool seeing Matt Kemp at a home run at Dodger Stadium one more time. Yeah, it was. And it it's, could be his last at bat ever there, too. So, you know, I'm not too torn up about it. But, yeah, to, to speaking on Ferguson, he's given up home runs in, in each of his last three outings. Uh, and one guy we haven't mentioned yet is Victor Gonzalez, uh, who's been pretty stellar this season. 11.2 pitched, 154 ERA in seven games. Uh, and I'm pointing out that seven games for a reason, uh, because this is a guy who isn't overworked. Uh, he's put himself ahead of the Alexander uh, and uh, possibly even Jake McGee left-hander situation at this point. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if he's on the playoff roster whatsoever, uh, it really depends what they're going to do with Arias, keeping him as a starter, maybe move him to the bullpen or maybe leaving him off entirely. I still I think that, I still think that Arias has a spot on this roster yeah, and I feel, and I feel like, you know, we've, we've looked at his stats uh, of in the first inning, he's got an ERA like of over 10 or whatever it is. But then after that, his ERA is under two. So for me, he fits perfectly into the role that he's fit into his entire Dodger career, which is coming out of the bullpen as sort of a long reliever. And he does pitch well out of the bullpen. Um, he, he had some huge innings in 2018 in that NLCS against the Brewers. Um, so to me, I think that he will make the roster, but Last point I'll make about the bullpen is if they are going to go to the bullpen quickly, I'd like to see more length out of, you know, guys like, you know, Dennis Santana. If it's not like if the deficit is not one or two or three runs, you know, guys like Santana, Spores, Gonzalez, those guys that can go multiple innings, you know, we should throw those guys out there. We shouldn't be putting Caleb Ferguson or Blake Trinan to go, one to two innings every time. I mean, that's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah if anyone's getting left off the roster, it's Alex Wood, who's just hasn't, oh, yeah. looked, hasn't yeah. looked too great, in my opinion. He hasn't looked terrible, but I, I don't think there's a spot for him at all. First question coming on Twitter is from Dodgers2020, at Brian, and then a whole lot of numbers. I'm not going to read them all. Lux needs you more playing. You know who playing. you are. Lux needs more playing time. 
but he probably won't make the postseason roster unless he improves. Should Luck start at second base until the end, regardless of performance? Or does Robert say that after a specific date, it's rehearsal time with the postseason lineup? Oh, I'm surprised he had that many characters. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this about Gavin Lux. Uh, we know that he's going to be in the lineup a lot more, at least against right-handed pitching. He has, you know, pretty much been in there every day since he got last called up. Um, he's, he's played in eight games. So he, this is a small sample size. He is struggling at the plate. Uh, he's only hitting 148, four for 27, no home runs, no RBIs, four walks. So, he, he's struggling out of the gate, but then again, um, he has come from the alternate training site. And when you don't have minor league baseball, we've said it over and over again, you're not going to be fully, you know, uh, ready to go when you come up to the, to the major league roster necessarily. And he had an interesting quote in the LA times. He said, coming up last year, I had 100 something games under my belt of full nine inning games. At the USC site, it depends on who's throwing that day and how many innings guys got. Obviously, you're doing the best you can to make it as realistic as possible, but at the end of the day, I don't think it compares to a full nine innings of actual baseball where results matter, winning matters, everything matters more. So you got to kind of put it in, into context with Gavin Lux. But that 10-pitch at bat he had the other night, uh, Sunday night, uh, against the Rockies was awesome. It was two outs, the game was on the line, and he worked a 10-pitch at bat walk. It, when when the you know when the game was on the line to to allow Corey Seager to come up to possibly uh, walk it off. Now Corey Seager, who had two home runs already in that game, decided to swing at the third pitch and ground out after a ten pitch at bat. But that's a whole other thing entirely. For Lux, that was a good sign for me. And if he can continue to grind out at bats, he'll figure it out. He's a he's a top prospect for a reason. We know what he can do with the bat. So it's just a matter of, for me, it's a matter of getting enough reps for him, uh, and hopefully he'll come around. Yeah, uh, you, you said it all, basically. It's a tiny sample size uh, and with little to no minor league action before coming up to the majors. It's too early to judge Gavin Lux for what he's done this year. I think they need to give him as many at-bats as possible. They have 18 games left. I think you start him for at least another 10 games, like basically in a row, uh, and make your decision there. Um, granted, I am a little biased now. He does follow me on Twitter, and we had a little interaction, so we're basically best friends at this point. Um, but the talent is there. Uh, everything is there. And when you, you know what you're going to get from Kike Hernandez, so you don't need to see what he can do. But you do need to see what Gavin Lux can do this year. We know what he, we know what he can do and will do in the future, uh, but there's still time to see what he can do this year. The one stat that jumps out at me, last year his hard hit rate was 39.2%. This year it's only 15.8%. Um, so the, you know, the hard contact, you know, the barrels is not quite there yet. Uh, but, you know, it's been 31 plate appearances. Yeah. So it, we just don't know. Uh, he could, he's a guy who has so much talent who could just flip the switch and instantly, you know, turn it on. Uh, so we, we have to, we have to let it play out. And if it doesn't play out this year, that's not a reason to say he's a bust because he's, he's not a bust. Uh, get, get him a full season under his belt, get him some minor league action, and then you can make your judgment. Definitely. Yeah. We got to let the season play out. As David already said, I agree. Give him 10 starts as many as possible. But if we're looking at the current stats right now and they just continue to trend in that direction, you have to leave them off the playoff roster. I don't care who you are. 
we can't just be throwing away free at bats just because a guy is a top prospect. Uh, on top of what Jake already said, he's a 258 on base percentage, a 222 slugging, 480 OPS, and 33 OPS plus. That's just not going to get it done in the majors. And let's be realistic the Dodgers haven't been facing the toughest pitching on a consistent basis. When you actually get to the postseason, it's a whole nother level. We saw that last year when a lot of the younger guys really struggled against the Max Scherzers and Steven Strasburgs of the world. I'm just not here to play around. You know, if it's got to be Kike, then it's going to be Kike. It is what it is. And, you know, Gavin Lux, he's going to have a lot of future contributions moving down the line. But I want that 2020 World World Series. I'm with you, but let me let me ask you this question. If they play, let's say, the Padres, who are going to start four right-handers, uh, do you still go with Kike in that scenario? Maybe for defense reasons, but offensively, let's say Gavin picks it up in the next week. Doesn't, you know, doesn't wow us, but shows signs of picking it up. Do you still go with Kike against the right-handed uh, pitching-heavy team? I'm going with Chris Taylor at second base regardless. Well, yes, but but on the roster, I'm saying. On the roster, yeah, you still go Kike Hernandez just because, you know, it's a weird guy to use clutch, but in the past he has come up with a lot of clutch hits. That's fair. Maybe maybe Beatty or Rios gets the ax then. Yeah, exactly. And that's another situation that we're going to continue to monitor as the season progresses. It was kind of them two going at it at spring training, but then they added from 26 to 28. Well, technically 30 at first, so they both made it. So a couple other hot guys that are worth mentioning. Will Smith is on fire for the Dodgers. Yes, he is. 348 with a 464. What a a surprise. On base, three home runs, six RBIs over his last seven. You know, Will Smith has really caught fire. And, you know, he has a great eye. You know, I don't know the exact set off the top of my head, but in terms of plate discipline, he is in the top three at catching the difference between balls and strikes when he's at the dish. Let me, let, me, let me say this. It's, it's hard to come by good offensive catchers. And when you have this type of offense from this catcher, you, just, you have to play him more than he's being played. And I think it's actually quite amazing how good he's been with the limited playing time that he's got. Because right now, he has a 590 slugging percentage, a 988 OPS. But then situationally, it's off the charts. He's hitting 333 with runners in scoring position, two doubles, seven RBIs, five walks. From innings seven to nine, he's hitting 375, 615 on base percentage, 1,000 sucking percentage, with three of his six home runs, five RBIs, and a double. So he is proven time and time again that he is the superior offensive option to Austin Barnes. Now, I didn't need to read you those stats for you to figure that out. But the point is, is that he's a good catcher and he's good with the pitching staff. He may not be on the level of pitch framing as Austin Barnes is, yet. but, but he, right. Yet he still, he still can improve. Austin Barnes has been in the league a little longer, so he still can improve on that. But the point is, is that if he's producing these types of numbers with the limited playing time that he's got, you got to put him in there more often. You just have to. You're, you're losing an at-bat with Austin Barnes in there, even though he started for a that's, little bit. He started true. for a little bit to hit. Are you kidding, Kevin? Look <laughs> yes. at these numbers. He's still hitting Look at these. in the 270s, I believe. 
it's not, it's not a complete waste of an at-bat as it has been in the past. Exactly. Let's settle on that. Okay, it's less of a waste in a, of an at-bat, <laughs> sure. But when you compare him to what Will Smith has done late in games, big situations, he's come through. And to me, it's not like you've got Mike Piazza behind the dish who can't catch for, for God knows what. He can catch. He's a good catcher. Yeah, and just before Kevin gets in here, uh, Will Smith's stats don't even indicate how good he's actually been because uh, he's hit into some poor luck, no doubt. His, he's hitting 245, but his expected batting average is 315. He's slugging 590. His expected slugging is 658. Uh, his hard hit percentage this year is 52.9% with a 14% K rate, which is one of the lowest in the leagues for a catcher. Um, he's, he's entered into the territory of, I know this is taboo in baseball because you only carry two catchers, uh, but he's entered into the, the category of maybe you start him at DH. I was going to say that. Um, because <laughs> I'm not entirely certain of the rule of let's say Barnes, let's say they did that and Barnes got hurt and you had to bring Smith in at catcher. I'm not sure what you would have to do. Well then, well then the, the, the pit, DH. Yes, you would lose um, the DH would, and the and the pitcher spot would be right. So it's no doubt dangerous, um, and I doubt you know they'll do it. Uh, but his offensive numbers basically warrant it. If you're not going to play him at catcher, I mean he's he deserves to start every day. I mean this guy is crushing the baseball right now. He is destroying the baseball. Yep. I mean you beat me to the punch. I was going to say there might be time to reevaluate who is in the lineup if we're deciding between Gavin Lux and Kike Hernandez. You might as well just go Will Smith as the designated hitter, and I don't need to. It's you know everything. It's, it's a big it's a big gamble having to maybe lose the DH, um, and I don't see the Dodgers taking that gamble with the amount of talent they have on their roster. Uh, but I wouldn't hate it, you know. Barnes maybe, just just wear a little extra armor. Maybe you lose the DH, maybe you don't because it depends when in the game it happens. You still have pinch hitters to come off the bench. So to me, it's I I'd be more yeah, concerned about true. the emergency catcher situation as opposed to losing the to, DH to spot. me. To me, Matt with the, is the emergency catcher for the record. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. To to me, the value that Austin Barnes brings to this team versus Will Smith, it just, it just it just doesn't compare for me. Still, even even though Austin Barnes is hitting a little bit better at the plate, his Will Smith's value is far greater than Austin Barnes. And so, for me, I'm fine with Austin Barnes catching you know once every fifth day fine whatever but like to have him in there day after day when this guy's on fire you at least at least let will smith like go until he starts to slump then take him out if you want but like i don't know i I, i'm just i'm i'm a little hesitant to mess up the rhythm of a hitter in terms of baseball i'm really like i just i I wouldn't do it yeah i'd I'd like to see him on days he's not catching maybe get a a late inning pinch hit at bat you know when they make their daily pinch hit uh, appearance for Kike post seventh inning. Another guy who just continues to hit the baseball and boy, would it have been a huge mistake if they had departed with him in the off season, Corey Seager up to 11 home runs tied with Mookie Betts for the team lead in RBIs at 31 continues to be hot at the plate over his last seven. He's batting, 429 
Hopefully I got that right. But regardless, he's still batting close to 330 on the regular season. And just the other day, he had a two-home run ball game. So Corey Seager and then Mookie Betts, 31 RBIs, as I already said. He's got 13 home runs, I believe. Yep. He's also batting over 400 over his last seven. One-two punch, Mookie and Seager at the top. This is, I guess, the way it should have always been. Can you find a better one-two to be, begin your lineup in baseball? I love no. it. I absolutely love it. It's, it's what we all dreamed of when we got Mookie Betts, that we would have him at the top of the lineup and Corey Seager would, would bounce back like this. It's awesome. Now, at the beginning, I thought maybe you know Muncie could have been that guy, but he's off to a little bit of a slower start. I'll get into Muncie a little bit later, but... For, for Corey Seager, man, he, he is just on fire, and he's eighth in the majors in slugging. I mean, the guy is a, is a machine. But I do have a question. Do you think, do you guys think that uh, Corey Seager is the most underrated player in, ma- in the majors? I'll go um, first then. Go ahead. In a – Four to six month sample size, then yes, absolutely. He didn't even make anyone's top ten shortstop list anywhere. Even in the NL West, people were saying Trevor Story, Lindor. I mean, obviously he's in, not in the NL West, but if he was to be in the NL West, Tatis Jr. No, I mean you look at Corey Seager when he first cracked into the major leagues. He was even more touted than Cody Bellinger. When this guy made his call up, everyone was rushing to see him, and he didn't disappoint in 2015. He carried it over in 2016. He was Rookie of the Year. He also was third in MVP voting. You know, obviously the injury set him back a little bit for a couple seasons, but he's only 26. He still has a long way to go. Some people are going to knock his fielding, but he does get the job done overall. And, I mean, he's just – in terms of running runners and scoring position situations, he's getting that done as well. So, yeah, Corey Seager, in my opinion, is the most underrated player at this point in time. Um, I'm going to say he's in the top three. Uh, I don't – I can't quite say he's the most underrated player in the MLB uh, because I think people are finally, you know, catching on. Uh, it's – I think it's in part due to his, you know, soft-spoken nature. Uh, I can't remember the last time I heard him even talk. Um, so, I think that that definitely contributes – uh, but there's a bunch of other guys around the league who who get little to no attention because they don't play for the the Yankees or the Astros or the you know whoever else MLB loves to to promote. So yeah, I mean he's he's top five for sure. All right, we're ready for another question. This one comes from at intern Phil, friend of the show. Philip. Big time friend of the show. Horrible restaurant opinions though. <laughs> Will the Dodgers regret not making a big move at the deadline? That's the first of three questions. So this one, real quick. Jeez, Phil. No, they will not regret a big move at the deadline because I've already said this in the past. They did anything better than what any team did at the deadline by acquiring who we just mentioned, Mookie Betts, in the offseason, as well as the additions of Blake Trinan and Jake McGee, which very well would have been big trade diet trade deadline acquisitions had they happened that in that moment of time as well so the answer to me is still no i'm going with no as well uh didn't really want lance lynn ever uh he seems to already have you know lost a little gas on his fastball been a little tired already uh padres you know basically had to pull a desperation move to get clevenger dodgers don't need clevenger 
we have like three or four Clevengers in the future uh, already on our team. So, no, this team is more than good enough to win a World Series. It's going to come down to if the players we currently have perform. Uh, but find me a better roster in, in the Major League Baseball. You can't. I, and, I, and I'm going to, you know, jump on that bandwagon, too, and say that, they, that I don't think that they are going to regret not making a move because I feel like pretty, you could point to pretty much any other season and say, oh, we, we definitely needed this piece. Like in 2018, when we didn't have Corey Seager, we needed a shortstop. So Manny Machado made perfect sense. Yes. So there wasn't any glaring hole that the Dodgers needed to fill in order to make this roster the best ever. I think it, it, it is the best roster in the major leagues. You could make an argument that they may have needed a right-handed bat, whereas, you know, Ryan Braun could have helped or Todd Frazier. But I don't think that Ryan Braun or Todd Frazier is tipping the scale. I don't think that they needed that one final piece to push them over the edge to win the World Series. I think they have the team to win to win the World Series. Um, and like David was saying, it's just a matter of our of our guys showing up. It, it, it's, a, it's a matter of, of Cody Bellinger showing up and, and Corey Seager showing up in the playoffs and Max Muncy showing up in the playoffs and Justin Turner and all these guys that have had great regular season success and some of them not great postseason success. It's all about them showing up and and performing to the best of their to the best of their abilities. All right, yeah, let, I got let me one. add one thing real quick. The Dodgers did make a deadline move, and it was to trade Ross Stripling. Um, and this, to me, I love Ross Stripling, but I think this is a good move that prevents him from possibly uh, blowing up in the postseason. And let's let's not forget that uh, we have Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin now, who are basically given the go-ahead to pitch with that trade. And the prospect we got is Kendall Williams, six foot six right-handed pitcher, four-pitch arsenal, high mid-90s fastball, uh, super young. I think he's 21. Uh, he was the 16th, I think, best prospect in the J system, but this guy projects to be a, a legit starter. Pair that with the Dodgers player development team. Talk to me in, in about two years uh, about this deadline, and, and we'll see where we're at. Yeah, uh, I like that you kicked stripling walls down. I wanted to add one quick thing, too. And then we'll go to his second question. The Dodgers had someone who was better than Mike Clevenger, who they traded in the offseason. I did a, This was a Twitter exclusive that I'm now bringing to the podcast. If you do a stat-by-stat comparison other than just ERA, Kenta Maeda was as equal, if not slightly better, than Mike Clevenger. And yet, they were willing to get rid of him for a prospect. So don't come crying if you think they needed Mike Clevenger. The answer always was they never needed this guy. If they were going to go big, then it was going to be huge. A bona fide number one type of guy. Not a second or third best pitcher on the Indians. Right. And it's, and also we were, funny and- to, it's also funny to me that the Padres had to go get Clevenger because Chris Paddock is not good. Like if, exactly. if Chris Paddock was who they thought he was, they wouldn't have made this trade. Chris Paddock is their fifth best starter right now. Yeah, and and I and all I'll say about Maeda is that it would have been nice to have him in the rotation, but the fact is is that he didn't want to pitch out of the bullpen, and that's where he was most effective, in my opinion. And he showed that in the playoffs for sure. And it would be it would have been nice to have him in the pen, but again, you know, no no love lost there. I'm fine with giving him up. Also fine not having Rich Hill around either. Yeah. Second question: How does it feel to know that Vin Scully is a fan of the podcast and? It's a great feeling. I haven't checked recently, but last I looked, he had been following 26 accounts, and we were one of those 26. The only 
Dodgers podcast out there that Vin is following and maybe he's even listening to. So if you are listening, Vin, we welcome you on the incline at any time. Yeah, Vin, I lo- if you're listening to this, I love you. You're a national treasure. You are the man. Um, I, I now feel pressure anytime I send an, a tweet from the incline because I know you might possibly see it. So I will do my best for you, Vin. Yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't be more excited about that. That is so that is so cool. I, I just you know, you know that Vin Scully knows quality when he sees it. And so <laughs> and so, you know, the incline being the only podcast he follows, I, I you know, I'm not surprised by that. So I'm, I'm super pumped that that he's now on social media. And it's awesome to see the videos that he comes out with. And I love the fact that he wears a blazer. I mean, he still is still it's like he's he's getting dressed to, to go call a game in the booth. So it's pretty sweet. It's just the best. Yes. All right. The final question. This is more of a downer question, but we're going to answer it anyways. And then we're <laughs> going to take a break with our out of left field. This is from Matthew Zimmerman at Zimsy. How much is it going to hurt when Mookie gets to be part of the annual gut punch ending and would not being at home for the postseason help since the Dodgers get eliminated at home in most years? Anyone want to go with that first? Well, um, go ahead, Jake. It's it's an odd question because it's almost it's almost saying that it's a foregone conclusion that the Dodgers are going to get eliminated from the playoffs. And first of all, we just can't think that, even though yeah. even even though um, you know it's not so much who we're facing, but it's the fact that that Dave Roberts is looming at the end of the season that I'm most scared of. I think we've all talked about that at length here. Um, and 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 in a three game series, it's very frightening um, with with him at the helm making pitching decisions. Um, so that that's what I'm most worried about. But honestly, we've got Mookie bets for the next 12 to 13 years. And so for me, it's like if they don't if they don't win it this year, there, there'll be many more opportunities to win it in years in years to come. Yeah, this team isn't going anywhere. Uh, I actually have a positive outlook this year, uh, although, you know, final boss playoff stage. Dave Roberts does scare me. Um, but this team with him at the top of the lineup is not like any of the other teams we've had in the past. Good point. They haven't had that guy uh, who's going to hit, who's at the top of the lineup, who can get on base, uh, plays defense like that. They just haven't had that. Um, so let's, let's you know, let it play out and see what happens. And keep in mind, I just want to bring this up, that our leadoff hitters in the past couple of years have been Jock Peterson and David Freeze. David so- Freeze, yeah. So, you know, with the exception of Chris Taylor in 2017, they, they've not had a dynamic leadoff hitter like this and the second best player in the majors. Very true. And to answer his question very briefly, Mookie Betts has lost in the past, so it's not going to be a total shocker to him if they were to be eliminated. But the Dodgers are going to the World Series, and this is why. If you look at the projected standings right now if it was to end today the Dodgers have the Giants in the first round there's no way they're losing that matchup in the second round they would play the winner of the Padres and Phillies absolutely just zero chance the Dodgers drop that as well and then maybe it's the Cubs or the Braves in the finale Dodgers all the way this team is going to go to the World Series if the standings are at are the same at this moment in time now that could be reevaluated depending on who the eighth seed is in a few weeks that is just my opinion right now. Secondly, there is no home field advantage in baseball. I don't care if they're playing in L.A. 
Houston, or China. There is literally no home field advantage in baseball. So if anything, if the Dodgers were to be trailing at Dodger Stadium, the only advantage is they get that extra three at-bats. So for them playing elsewhere, is that going to all of a sudden turn them into winners? I certainly don't think so. I think that's always just been a coincidence. And I hate to say it, some of the blame has to go on Dave Roberts when he does something stupid. And it's almost a guarantee he's going to do something stupid again in this postseason, but hopefully they have enough talent this time to overcome his mental falls. I think in terms of teams in the past that have been built to overcome Dave Roberts blunders in the postseason, this has, this team has the best shot. All right. Now that the sad part of the show has been taken care of, let's uplift this again. The Dodgers taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks for the final time this season. For all those D-backs fans who claim they own us, well, you're 1-6 against us so far this season, and you're in last place. Someone actually said that, like, ever? A, a lot of D-backs fans have said that over the last few years. Anytime they beat the Dodgers, they're like, oh, yeah, we own you guys. It's you're just not watching what's been happening over seven, eight years. And a D-backs team that I usually get right on an annual basis two years in a row now. I've been dead wrong. Last season, I said they'd be the worst team in the NLS. They finished second. This season, I said they'd be the second best in the NLS, and now they're in the dead last. So go figure. Yeah. So Just... worth noting is that the Dodgers are going to finally face Madison Bumgarner for the first time as a Diamondback for the final game of this three-game set on Thursday. Right now, it's lined up Dustin May against Mad Bum, who's been one of the worst contract signings of the season. He's 0-4, 1-4, with an ERA over 8. He also missed close to a month with an IL stint due to his back, probably because he had to go find that ball out of the ocean that Muncie told him <laughs> to find. So what do you expect in this game? Do you think Bumgarner is going to be, be his old self, or is this – going to be a game the Dodgers light them up and they sweep the Diamondbacks once again they're facing Luke Weaver Taylor Clark and then Madbum um I'll I'll start by saying this I think that for whatever reason the Dodgers tend to hit Madison Bumgarner well even when he was pitching at his best they seem to always figure out a way uh, to beat him um he's had a few pretty good games against us though there are two things I'll say one is I really hope that Kike Hernandez, for whatever reason, he will fig- figures it out because he seems to always just m- murder Mad Bum, and so I hope that obviously he performs well, and then I hope that Max Muncy hits one into the pool um, because they're in Arizona, and I'm really looking forward to uh, Max Muncy v Madison Bumgarner again. Hopefully, there's some fireworks there. Interesting to note, though, I was looking up Max Muncy because he has, you know, had a bit of a slow season. We knew, we know, uh, we knew at the beginning he was dealing with that uh, finger issue when he took a ball off his hand. Um, and, in fact, it was a broken finger. So, uh, still, he has ten home runs. He's tied for eleventh in the National League with ten home runs. But the thing that I found out that was interesting is that he's sort of a reverse splits guy this year. He's hitting 250 versus lefties with a 400 on base percentage and 455 slugging. Three of his 10 home runs have come against left handers. So that's good news because obviously Madison Bumgarner is a left handed pitcher um, for this stage to be set for Muncie to take him deep once more. Yeah, this is going to be a sweep. 
Um, we got Bueller, Kershaw, and May going. Uh, Dodgers going to get back on track. Betts will play all three games this series. They have an off day on Friday. Um, this is going to be a three-game sweep. Bueller will pitch well. Kirsch will pitch well. And Dustin May will outduel Madison Bumgarner, who's given up nine home runs in 21 innings. It's actually I, – I feel like it would be harder to do that than to not do that. I mean, it's – uncanny i mean he took a, he was on the on the il for a month and first start back gave up two quick home runs and only made it four innings against the uh giants all right i almost forgot to include this team that the dodgers face after the diamondbacks since we probably aren't going to be recording till after this series occurs then i might as well bring it up now they have a two-game series in los angeles against the houston asterisks um I'm trying to figure out who's starting these games. It's looking like it's for the Dodgers. It's going to be Arias and Gonsolin for sure. I'm looking more into the Houston side of things. It looks like Granky could be the second starter in this series, but I'm still trying to determine if Lance McCullers will be one of the starters. I, I absolutely so. hate that guy. I really hope so. No, Probably. there's no roof. He can blame in Dodger stadium. Yeah, the dude is full of excuses left and right. And his last outing, he didn't even record a single out. I think it was against the Angels. He went, he gave up five runs, no outs. He was pulled. So the dude sucks. Um, this is another series where the Dodgers are going to win a game for sure, if not sweep them for the entire season. So the Dodgers are looking at a potential five-game winning streak right now. And then it gets a little more challenging. They got the Padres for three four at Colorado, three against Oakland, and three against the Angels. Yeah, it's going to be a, you know, a little – I said, you know, when we previewed the season in the in the preview show, I said this last, you know, three to four weeks is the hardest part of their schedule. Um, so this is a good uh, tune-up for the playoffs, if you will. Uh, San Diego's, you know, pretty solid this year. Colorado's given us, tr- given us trouble. Oakland is a World Series contender. And you know, then you get the Angels as a uh, you know little preseason for the playoffs. So, Angels are hot right now. Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, I'm looking forward to this last stretch of the season. It's gonna you know we're gonna get a lot of answers as to what's what's the postseason roster, who's you know gonna be our starters. So it, it'll be a fun, fun. Uh, you know, I think it's 12, 18 games. I was really looking forward to watching the Astros not make the playoffs, but it looks like because of this stupid format that, you know, everyone and their mother is going to be making the playoffs this Absolutely. season. It's just so annoying um, because it's just, it's rewarding. It's the same thing with the, in the NBA when you've got teams that are at 500 or below 500 making the playoffs. We're going to see that again. We're going to see that here in, in major league baseball. It's just like, it's just atrocious. Um and so I'm 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 really disappointed that the, the Astros will probably make the playoffs, but I'm really excited uh, for another series against Houston. I really hope they sweep them. Um, and just like you know, a, as a statement to just say you know like you know we, we can we can handle you when you when you don't have the the aid that you're that you're used to, uh, we can beat you. And the, and the Astros have proven that they're just not as good as people thought they were going to be, myself included. I would have been right. I said they in a five-team playoff format, I said they there's no chance they're making the playoffs. They're one game above 500. Another team that's struggling who looks like they're going to get the benefit of the doubt too is the New York Yankees, who are also one game above 500. Oh, my God. They are, what is going on with them? They're Absolutely. slipping like crazy. Half of their roster is not in the hospital right now. I mean, just, they can't stay healthy. 
Yeah, that's true. As well as Garrett Cole just not living up to his contract early on. All yeah. right, we're gonna, switching. Sports I just want to say, quick. just on the Garrett Cole front, if if he pitches like this next year, I think the the Yankees should offer a maximum contract to Astros pitching coach Brent Strom, uh, so he can <laughs> you know give him the uh, secret sauce recipe uh, pine tar mix that he's that he used in uh, in Houston. I just wanted to say that real quick. Real good call. All right, switching sports real quick. We got other teams in LA that are in the playoffs right now. And this will address the final question from intern Phil. The Lakers, 1-1 split with the Rockets. Looked pretty good in their last game. I think they're going to take care of business. I still think they can win the next three in a row, but six games probably minimum. The question actually is, who in the NBA left is the biggest threat to the Lakers overall? Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers. No. I think the Clippers beat the Lakers in the finals about in five games. I'm actually going to – I'm glad you guys said that. And while the Clippers are a great team, I'm actually going to lean the Boston Celtics, who is the true Lakers rival, not the Clippers. And this is why. If the Lakers, which I do expect, and I think it's going to go seven, do defeat the Clippers, the Celtics honestly are going to be the more rested team I think of all the teams actually in the playoffs, they played the best so far. They just swept the Sixers, no problem. They're one win away from beating the Raptors. They, the Clippers don't have the size to guard Anthony Davis, while the Celtics actually do. In the backcourt, Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown scare me way more than Lou Williams and Pat Beverly do. Jason Tatum, almost at this point, is equal to Kawhi Leonard. And then, of course, Marcus Smart, another great backcourt defender. Up front, Daniel Tice and uh, Cantor, who hasn't been playing a lot. I think the Celtics actually could be the team to shock the world and beat the Lakers. Well, if the Lakers play like they played the other night in game two versus Houston, I'm, I'm a little less worried. But if they play anything like, the, like, like they played in game one versus Houston, I'm very worried. Um, I, I, th- this team is, is, is wildly inconsistent in terms of the supporting cast. You know, you know what you're getting from LeBron. You know what you're getting from AD. And even though the Lakers won game two against the Rockets, their perimeter defense was atrocious in the third quarter. They allowed the Rockets to come all the way back, just shooting threes out of their mind. So if they can't get that perimeter defense working, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to beat the Clippers because the Clippers are, you know, have a bunch of shooters. I mean, you got Kawhi Leonard, you got Paul George, you got, uh, uh, you know, uh, who else they got? Uh, Lou Will. Lou Williams. I mean, they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of sharp shooters on that team. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's the only, that's the only worry I have is their perimeter defense. Yeah, uh, I'm a Lakers fan. Uh, I'm not, you know, too much of a big basketball NBA guy per se. Um, Dodgers and Michigan football are, are my two teams. So my contribution to this this topic is go Lakers. I think they lose to the Clippers, though. <laughs> I'm sticking with my gut. The Clippers are very overrated, and they haven't been wiping the floor with Denver either, if we're being real. Well, Denver's a good team. They are what they are. but anyways last sport real quick and then we're gonna go into out of left field nfl kicks off this weekend i want your guys's super bowl picks and projections for the rams and chargers just real quick Uh, super bowl prediction i mean it's super early but i'm gonna go with i think chiefs get there again 
And I'm going to go in the NFC. I think this might be the year the Saints finally get there. Um, so I'll probably go Chiefs-Saints. Rams projection, it's not going to be too pretty in my opinion. I'll go 9-7. and seven. And Chargers are not going to win that many games. Okay. Go ahead, Kevin. All right. AFC, I'm going Baltimore Ravens. I think they get over the hurdle this season. And then the NFC, this is the tough one. You know, Eagles, Cowboys are looking good. But I'm going with a sleeper team here. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. Get back to the dance. Rams, I'm going 10-6. and six. I think they're going to have a better season than people expect. And the Chargers are going to be awful, 4-12. and 12. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, I, I don't think the, the Chargers are going to – are going to be up to it. Um, they've got they've got issues at, at quarterback. I believe Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback for the. Chargers. Yeah, but Justin Herbert, their top draft pick, he'll be starting by week six or seven. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I mean they have a lot of great weapons, um, but I, I just don't see them pulling it together this year. The Rams didn't really improve in this offseason. If anything, they lost a lot. So I don't know. I. I It'll it'll have to be uh, it'll be a surprise if they if they are better than they were last season. Um, but in terms of Super Bowl prediction, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, I think that they are basically running back the same team that they had last year, and it was pretty darn good. Um, and yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go Chiefs Seahawks. Um, I, I think the I think the Seahawks are 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 dynamic. Cam Akers. That's a sleeper pick in fantasy. Just want to throw, it out, throw that out there. I think he's going to be a really good running back for the Rams in the future. And Tyler Higby, another great tight end. They got some weapons. All right. If they, for- if they use Tyler Higby like they used him last season, at the end of last season, they're going to, they, he's going to be a great option. They figured something out with him. Yeah. All right. Out of left field, and then we're closing out the show. Thank you guys for listening. I'll go first. I got two and one. The first one is a quick story. I went to Mod Pizza about a week ago. Very mediocre place. I don't know if you guys have been there. You can chime in if you want. It's pretty solid. Okay. Well, I didn't like it. Just going to be honest. (laughs) Okay. But what really got me and kind of annoyed me was these kids, probably age range of 10 to 12, two boys, they had to wait outside to get their pizza due to COVID protocol. So the employee comes out, hands them their pizza, and the boys politely ask, can we get uh, two water cups? So she goes inside and she hands them two empty water cups and says, we don't have any water. Now, what really bugged me about this was it's pretty obvious they wanted water, not the cups. But the employee, for whatever reason, had a little brain fart and couldn't somehow find them any water anywhere in the store and just said, we don't have any water and then shooed them away. Like, that was just ridiculous. So why give them the cups? That's pretty, that's pretty humorous, honestly. Like, I respect <laughs> that move. <laughs> All right, so my actual out of left field, now they're not going on right now, also due to COVID, but concerts, I was just thinking back to all the concerts I've been to in the day, and when they do come back one day, there's a rule of thumb that just really bugs me. Don't be that guy who starts to cut in front of everyone, pushing their way to the front to see the band. Like, first of all, that's just indecent to begin with because all these people got here before you 
and we're patiently waiting. And these all this happens at every concert. Just whoever it is, this jerk off has the nerve to cut off everyone. And sometimes they're taller than most of the people. So that's a really low class move in my opinion. Don't be that guy. First come, first serve, as they say. Now, if you're a smaller female, I perf- I really understand that move then. You know, it's a lot harder to see. So that has my sympathy. But if you're a guy pushing, literally pushing people over to get to the front, you're a dick. Oh, yeah. hey now. Yeah. You, you shouldn't be going to concerts anyway right now. So there's that as well. But um, I, I, I agree with you on that for sure. Um, I, have a, I have a couple out of left fields. Uh, one of them real quick. Uh, Novak Djokovic in the U.S. Open got tossed. That was for, hilarious. Got tossed out of the tournament for, you know, hitting a line judge with a, with a batted ball. Uh, it hit her in the neck. She's okay, so that's good. Novak Djokovic did the, uh, you know, um, the right thing by apologizing and checking in on her, and he handled it like a gentleman. So, you know, good, you know, good for him. But in terms of the U.S. Open, like, come on like that is just the most egregious i mean i know what's in the rule book and you got to follow the rules or whatever but like he's the number one player in the world or at least in the tournament like you gotta let him just you gotta let him you know at least have a warning or something or they gotta change the rules because that that is oh. that is insane he you the he didn't mean to do it yeah it wasn't that was like pathetic. It, wasn't, it wasn't like he like aimed it at her he just happened to hit her and it was a mistake and I get it. I get it. It's part of the rule book. But now, you know, you've got a wide open field for the U.S. Open. And these guys are going to win the championship. And there's always going to be some sort of like, oh, well, hey. yeah, you won. But Djokovic wasn't in there. Rules are the rules. What are you, Rob Manfred over there giving the benefit of the doubt to the better? No, that's, that's not Rob Manfred there. That, th- this, is not, this is not Houston Astros cheating level. This is just, did, you know, an honest did, mistake. Yeah, I mean, this rule was, like, created when, like, it was, like, required to wear, like, a suit outside. Like, this was probably written, like, 100 years ago or some ridiculous, like, bylaw. Like, come on. And you know what else I saw online? People were, like, saying, like, crying that, like, oh, my God, he could have killed her. It's like, dude, you took a tennis have. ball that wasn't even – no, he couldn't have. He, she took a tennis ball that wasn't even hit that hard to the neck. Like, come on. If if yeah. tennis ball possibly hitting you in the neck is gonna kill you, you shouldn't be being a ball girl or ball boy at the at the U.S. Open. What if she? Like, come on, how soft have we gone? She was a line. Her. She was a line judge, not a ball girl. But yes, I. I, no, I, I like, come on. Made her fall Keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> rules are the rules. Did he intend to hit her? No, but of he did. Not. He did intend to hit that ball, and that's all that matters. Djokovic is just not having a good year. He thought he was above COVID early on when he was out partying. So karma is a B word. All right. Soft. Fine. So Fine. soft. Yeah, yeah, so soft. Um, How soft have we gone? Was yeah, this, this was the U.S. Open or the British Open? This is U.S. Open. Yeah, soft. Yeah. British Open. What are you – it's called Wimbledon, bro. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, my last out of left field, and I'm probably going to catch heat for, for this, for saying this for my girlfriend, but um, it really bothers me when people that aren't you know necessarily sports fans will come into the room when you're watching a game doesn't matter if it's basketball baseball football doesn't matter and we'll ask the question hey when's this gonna be over like (laughs) that like just makes my blood boil for some reason i'm just like 
it's over when it's freaking over. Like I don't have a, there's no time clock. I mean, there is a clock in the game, but in terms of how long something's going to take, it's like, it's just an annoying question. And I just wish that um, it would, people would just not say those things. Yeah. But us as sports fans have a great out when like someone, when someone does that and like, they're like, want to like go somewhere or do something, you just point to like the game clock on like the NBA and it says like five minutes. You just say like, Oh, about five minutes when in reality, you know, it's going to take about like 25. It's just, it's just a given, you know, you got an out there. Yeah. Well, what about baseball? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess you just got to make up some answer. Just always under, always lowball it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just, it just infuriates me. It's just like you know, clearly we're we're watching a game. Clearly, we don't want to do anything else besides that. So, why are you asking that question? Okay, um, my left field is similar to yours, um, but it's when let's say you're watching a show uh, with you know a couple people, or it could just be one person, uh, and they haven't seen it before. Uh, or they haven't seen the first movie, and within five minutes, uh, they've already asked you, okay, who's that guy? Okay, who's that person? What, is, what did she do? What did he do? What happened there? It's like, no, this is not how this is going to go down. Um, before the movie starts or the show starts, I will happily answer any questions you may have had. I will give you a primer. I will give you an intro. I'll give you a breakdown. But once the show starts, no, I'm not sitting there being your play-by-play guy uh, for the show or the movie. That's just not how this is going to go down. It's just not like, I'm right. sorry. I'm not that person. I will not watch movies with people who do that. Yes. I totally agree with you because then you have to pause it. Um, yeah. and, and similarly, I just, I don't understand. Cause like, I feel like you're, you're, you're this type of person too, David, cause I'm the same way where it's just like, if we're watching a movie or a show, you just want to sit there and watch it. You don't, I, I don't particularly like where people are on their phones or I'm actually they, bad at that. Or when they get up to like go to the bathroom in the middle of it and like, you know, or like, or they'll go to the kitchen and grab something like, I'm still listening to it. Like, <laughs> no, it's like, no, you're not. And, and then, and then they come back and then they're confused because they missed everything. And then they have to ask you what happened. And you're like, well, see, you weren't actually listening. You can't do two things at once. I'm actually really bad about not being on my phone, but terrible. Yeah. Both those uh, little subjects you guys brought up. I get those questions on a consistent basis. So I can relate to them both perfectly fine. And the way I handle and cope with them is just patience. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, that's the mature answer, but that's like also the least fun answer on this, on this topic. Baseball is always the best at guesstimating. If it's in the sixth inning, I usually say we got one hour left. If it's in the third inning, two hours. And if it's just getting started, I say we got three hours to go. Sorry. But anyways, we got to get out of here and close the show out been running a little longer than i expected today just a lot to talk about all the fun stuff so we're gonna do our closing thoughts real quick i'll start it off real quick the dodgers they already have 30 wins they're guaranteed to finish at 500 obviously that's not going to happen no need to panic every time they lose a meaningless game at this point i don't care that they lost two of three to the rockies in fact i embrace it because i want to see them in the playoffs i expect this team to reach 40 now at a minimum and they're going to have probably the top record in baseball. So don't freak out online every time they lose a game. If you want to bash Roberts for something stupid, I'm, I'm behind that though. Yeah. My closing thoughts are, this is a take it to the bank guarantee. The Dodgers will win the NL West this year. Bet the house on it. Take it to the bank. 
cash your winnings, thank me later. Um, and I would like to face the Miami Marlins in the playoffs because how sweet would it be to basically kick Don Mattingly in the face, uh, win that three-game series, send him home, put him to bed, put the old man out of his misery, get him out of here. Um, so I'm rooting for the Marlins to make the playoffs, but as the eight seed, uh, and I do not want to face the New York Mets and Jacob DeGrom. I agree with that. And, and to all those people that say that Don Mattingly should be the NL manager of the year. Oh, I, yuck, dude. Yuck I to don't those know, people. I don't know what they're smoking because he's got a, you know, a even 500 team or sub 500 team. Yeah, they may make the playoffs, but like, you know, this is, the, I mean, come on, you know, like everyone's making the playoffs these days. So I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> he but deserves my, credit for nothing. Right. I, I agree. Um, terrible manager. Anyway. Uh, my closing thought is this, and, and I'm only saying this because I looked it up and I want to share this stat with everybody. Um, uh, Josh, Josh Sabors, who recently got recalled um, after Jock Peterson was put on paternity leave because he's having a baby. Um, I looked it up at, because I tend to see Sabors' name every single time a recall is announced, but I never see him enter the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's actually been option this is since 2019 he's only been in the majors or made an appearance in the majors in 2019 and 2020 he's been called up and optioned around 17 times so that's a combination of being both called up and then sent down which is insane right total fluctuations yeah okay exactly eight and a half it's it's a crazy number because he's only pitched uh 10 major league innings and not good ones. Um, And then this season he's only pitched uh, one inning, which was a scoreless inning, which I don't even remember him coming into the game. So I really hope for Sabor's sake that he gets an opportunity to pitch uh, before he gets optioned again. Well said. All right. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the incline pod. You can follow us on Instagram at the incline Dodgers, subscribe to the podcast, look forward to future guests down the line we just recently interviewed tim neverett so check that one out throw it back to sean green our josiah gray interviews a lot of good stuff out there folks all right we're out when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.